Hey there, how do you know if you're addicted to something? Great question amongst a couple of them that we are gonna answer this week on, you guessed it, Ask. All right, great intro. Thanks, Steve. I'm Pastor Jamie, we're at Cornerstone Church. This is where we answer questions that you have submitted. Typically, it's done online. It can be done in person or whatever you want, but typically you go to cornerstonebv.org, go to the Ask or media page, ask, submit your question. If you have a question, other people do, you're not gonna get an answer if you don't ask it, blah, blah, blah. You got the, you get the point. All right, so this is, I really wanna get this question. Um, it was asked quite a while ago, so I'm really sorry. We've had a lot of questions over the last uh, couple months and uh, hopefully you're still hanging with us, whoever asked this, because I think it's a really great one. How do I know if I'm addicted to something? And then it goes on to say, it seems easier to tell if something's totally bad, like pornography or stealing. What about other things like video games, cell phones, or coffee? <laughs> coffee! Oh, yeah, I like coffee. Um, video games, not so much. Video games are for children. Sorry, Steve. I know there are lots of adults, but... Um, so, um, it's a great question. Now, um, typically an addiction, so I think based on the, the question, you might be, to me, kind of interchangeably using, which I'm not sure is a bad thing, I've just been thinking about it, um, between addiction and an idol when it comes to Christian, right? So something that's benign like uh, video games, just perfectly fine to play video games, but it, it, is it an idol? Is it something that I'm doing beyond what I should be? And so, uh, so I'll kind of deal with both, but, but to use the word addiction, I think that uh, uh, if you really look at the real definition of addiction, it's typically a very physical or emotional, but therefore physical because our brains are physical and emotions have to do with our, our brains, um, dependence, right? So when you talk about addictions, you talk about obviously smoking coffee because it's caffeine, so you can be addicted to coffee, uh, drugs or alcohol, uh, and, and even pornography, um, you know, lots of of research has been done on what happens to the brain when you watch pornography, and it's pretty fascinating and horrible um, how it rewires your brain, and actually you can have an addiction to pornography. It's different than, say, an addiction to heroin, but there is a lot of similarities. I think it's okay to call it an addiction if you're going to label it. Uh, you know, if, if you... Um, Cell phones, same thing. They're doing scientific studies on what happens to your brain, for instance, when you receive a notification and you hear, you see, oh, somebody liked my Instagram photo or, uh, you know, my TikTok or something like that. Like, what happens to your brain? And there is a physical sort of dependence that can grow. I do think it's a little different than, say, you know, cocaine or, or um, heavy drinking, something like that, uh, smoking, nicotine. You know, I don't think it's an addiction maybe that severe, and I think it's a little bit easier is the wrong word, but getting over it with some practical steps is definitely probably a little easier than it is a, a major drug, right? Um, but I think you can call it uh, addiction. So an addiction is usually something when, when something becomes too emotionally or f compelling or physically necessary, right? Um, and we can't even think about stopping and we get really defensive if someone talks to us about it because it becomes this thing that we really feel like we absolutely must have and we can't live without, so don't, don't meddle too much with my life, right? So that's kind of one way to know if you're addicted or certainly if it's an idol in your life. You get a little defensive and even angry when someone that's close to you says, hey man, are you drinking too much? Or, you know, or you've, you know, someone mentions like, you really should not be looking at pornography and that, because you think, how could I live life without it, right? That's, that's really the territory of, a, of addiction there. So um, here's the thing. If you have an addiction of any of those things or other things, 
typically, because an addiction is so physically and emotionally, um, you know, dependent, you need help. Not always. My dad tells the story. He, he was back in the day where everyone smoked, and then they started coming out with studies that, oh wait, sucking in tar is not good for you, right? And he he just stopped. Like he didn't. I mean, it was a long time ago, but he had been smoking a number of years. My mom never did. Like, she smoked all our days, right? My dad just said, no, I'm done. <laughs> like, that's kind of how my dad is. So it can happen with addictions, right, depending on what it is, whether it's drinking or cigarettes or, or coffee. Like, I don't think you know, need to go to a rehab facility to get off coffee, right? But you may need help with an addiction, and that is okay. It's usually the first thing. That might be as simple as, as an accountability partner, your husband or wife or something like that. Or you may need a rehab facility, or if you're trying to quit cigarettes, the patch, or nicotine gum, something like that to wean you off, because it is a drug, right? Or alcohol, you might need rehab, or you may need AA meetings and those kinds of things, or, or just come alongside and get counseling, because addictions are really, really hard to do on your own, and most of the time it's not effective. So, so really seek out help, whatever the, the situation might be. But kind of lastly, it seems like this question, in my eyes anyway, the way it was asked, um, is, is not just about addiction, but also idols, right? Benign things in our life. Video games, I mean, I guess you can be addicted if you can be addicted to pornography. Maybe it's in that same category. But I think it's more of, a, of an idol. Like, I really feel like I need my time to play video games. And, and you can start playing video games at the expense of your relationships, right? Your wife or your husband or your husband. I don't know how many women are playing video games. Probably a lot at this point. Who knows? Um, or your kids or, or friendships or whatever. Your work suffers because I got to play video games. And certainly the biggest thing with an idol is your relationship with God suffers. Um, these things become more important to you than um, God is, right? So things like, um, again, things that are perfectly fine and can even be good. Exercise, right? It's really good to exercise. I think you should. But if your exercise becomes the obsession, that I have to exercise. And I've seen some of you. I saw one guy, old guy, God bless him. It was that icy storm we had know, a few months ago now, um, early in the year, in the winter. So the, the sidewalks were pretty dangerous to even walk on at this point. And this guy's out running. And I'm like, dude, you are gonna fall and break a hip and that's it, nursing home. Like the guy was like 70 something or 80, I don't know. And God bless him, he wants to stay in shape. But to me at that point, take a day off, right? Um, and so that's really how you know like something's an idol if you can't take a day off, whether it's exercise or video games or, or and perfectly think good hobbies, sports, or uh, whatever it might be. If it's something that you have to do, and if you don't, the day was a complete miserable failure, it's probably an idol, right? And so how do you get over idols? Well, it's a good offense is the best defense. Seek God with all your heart. Right? The more you seek God and He becomes your heart, the idols begin to become, take their place. Hobbies, or maybe you say, you know what, I gotta get this, get rid of it, right? Some of you, social media is sort of a, a, an idol, right? Where I gotta check my, my grams and I gotta read, you know, and it's just constant and you can't get off. You may need to take a 30-day fast from all of it and then see where you're at. Maybe you find, I just need to get rid of this. Just throw it out, right? Um, and, and so it kind of is, but the more you seek God, the more you're going to know, like, what do I need to do with this, right? And then accountability um, is, is really important. So have somebody who you trust can check in with you and, and say, man, how, how much video games are you playing or how much time are you spending on, 
uh, Facebook or Instagram. And, and, and you can actually have that accountability. It can be really helpful. You don't need to go to rehab. You don't need to have major counseling. You maybe just need some accountability and to seek God, right? And like I just mentioned, but just to really kind of bring it back, fast from something for a little while, if you're really not sure, um, that means just stop maybe just for a week or two offline or no more video games for a while or, or uh, you know, just take a week off from running if you're like, you feel like you need to run every day. You really, you got to keep everything in a balance, right? I mean, just, just don't make it into your God. Okay, um, quicker question, but I think a really good one, and then we'll finish up with this, all right? Who was at the Sermon on the Mount? What audience was Jesus addressing? That's really good, you know, and I think uh, just with the, first of all, the Sermon on the Mount is found in chapters 5 through 7 in the book of Matthew. And it's very similar to Luke 7, um, or Luke 6, I'm sorry, where it's called the Sermon on the Plain because he's not up on a mountain like he is in, in Matthew. A lot of same material. So some people think, hey, you know what? This is the same thing, just Luke put it on a plane and Matthew on a mountain. And I think that's really taking it out of its context. Like, why would they do that? That doesn't make any sense. Here's what I think, and it's just my thoughts on it, is that Jesus was an itinerant teacher, right? So that means he moved, right? He walked around, he went to Gentile lands. Most of his time was in, in Galilee or Judea, which are Jewish lands. And so, of course, he taught the same things over and over again. And so you don't have the Gospels, okay, now Jesus went here and gave this speech and it's the exact same thing. That, that's not how the Gospels were put together. They, they would not do that. So um, most likely Jesus taught the material of the Sermon on the Mount and the Sermon on the Plain in a little bit different forms to different audiences in different places. And so that's why you have it in different settings, right? So in Matthew, kind of an interesting way, you got to remember a lot of times, especially in antiquity, even historical narratives like Gospels were put together in different ways for different purposes. So they're not, they're usually not chronological. And that was totally accepted. Today, maybe you wouldn't be like, oh, they made it sound like he went over there when that's not what happened next in actuality. But they thought nothing of that in that time period, right? So Matthew actually put his book together very purposefully. And if you look at it, the outline's interesting. There's five major discourses or times where Jesus teaches in the book of Matthew that can go on for like the Sermon on the Mount, three chapters, right? And then, then there's narrative in between those discourses. And so it goes from the Sermon on the Mount, it's the first one, and the last one is he gives a lot of end time stuff to his disciples in the last week of his life. It's the last discourse, and then there's three in between. And in between all of those are narratives of healings and other things that happen in Jesus' life, and that's how Matthew orders it, right? So the, uh, the, the Jewish, the, I'm sorry, the audience during the Sermon on the Mount is largely Jewish because it's in Jewish land, so I'm not saying a Gentile or two might not have been there, but that's largely who it was. And again, that was Matthew's, um, his, his whole audience really was Jewish Christians, but trying to let them know that Jesus is the fulfilled Messiah from the line of David, right? And a lot of his discourses were around that. What does it mean to be a member of the kingdom of God? And so if you really read, if you look at the teaching of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus lays that out. This is what it means to live as a member of the kingdom of God, right? And, uh, and so we can gain so much from that even today. But most of them were probably Jews. They weren't Christians yet. They didn't really know what that was yet. Uh, and that was his audience. A lot of poor people, he, he drew massive crowds. It's the healings and tremendous teachings and all that. So great question. I know I want a little bit more detail of stuff that maybe you didn't want, but too bad. It's my show. All right. Make sure you ask your questions. Ask uh, on uh, go to media page on our cornerstone bv 
ask.org website. Ask, as I said in the beginning, we need your questions. Sign up for a church service at Saturdays at 5 or Sundays 9 and 11. And, uh, or join our online service Sunday at 11. We'd love to have you check us out. If you don't have a church, please come. We would love to meet you. Love you. See ya next week. God bless.